When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All gas, no brake. And now we have liftoff. Welcome to the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jets podcast. And of course, on this lovely Tuesday evening, I am your host, John June. And of course, this guy to my left is Frank Jim Piccolo. Frank, what's good, man? What's good, my brother? How are we feeling today? You know, a few more days removed from the Jets last loss. So I'm I'm a little bit better than I am on this uh on this usual Tuesday here. But it's another Tuesday, another week, and as of as we've had to do for seven six of the weeks that we've that we've had here thus far. Gotta talk about a Jets loss here. So Frank. The Jets lost 45 to 30 on Thursday night football primetime to the previously three and five Indianapolis Colts. That game had a 10 and a half point over under. We were both a little confused about that. Thought that the Jets being, you know, having played the way they did against the Bengals. Uh, Indianapolis, having played the way they've played just over this, the course of the season, this this could be a game in which the Jets should not be double-digit underdogs. And the score was not as – the score makes it seem closer than the game actually was when you look at that. If, like the fact that the Jets actually could have conceivably been in position – to tie the game with three minutes left on the clock, you know, obviously they would have had to score, get a two-point conversion, or they could have gone that gone for that later, whatever, whatever order you want to go in. But they could have gone, they could have scored, they could have kicked an onside kick, scored again, and potentially taken this game in overtime. So to think that that could have happened with three minutes left in this game after watching for the first three quarters, three and whatever quarters, however long of the fourth quarter it was, crazy. But the big news that came out of this game, Frank, Mike White was injured, um, injured forearm, said he couldn't really grip the ball, uh, couldn't get that power and that velocity on it the way that he really would have wanted to to help his team out uh, through for 95 yards and a quarter. I'm almost convinced if you take the, you know, Josh Johnson came in relief. He had a 300 yard day. If you take those, those two, Mike White seemed like he was on his day to on his way to another 400 yard day there. Um, but Frank, I got to ask you, what are your overall thoughts of the, just the way that this offense has looked? I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It has looked better without Zach Wilson at as the trigger man. It has looked better run. It has looked more efficient. It has looked more effective. Uh, 
it, it's like it just moves better, right? Like there's first downs, they're stringing them together, they're getting drives, they're able to score on you know score points in the first quarter. Frank, what are your overall thoughts on that? Well, first things first, I think when you we talk about the Colts game, I don't think Mike White can't sit out that whole game. Like I know he said he couldn't grip the ball and he didn't have any feeling, but you got to make some attempt in that second half to try to get back in that game. You know, opportunities are few and far between in the NFL, especially where he's coming from as a late round draft pick cut by Dallas practice squad. How many times? I mean, but to be fair, Frank, right? Like this isn't like, this isn't like an ankle injury or a knee injury. You kind of push. I get through. it. You I can't. You said he said his two middle fingers couldn't grip the football. If you can't grip the football as a quarterback, you're literally putting your your team at it at a disservice. I, I, I don't know. He's going through his. Like to me, it feels kind of sketchy. He's going at to his presser, and now he's saying, "I just got, you know, I finally got my strength back." Like I don't know. Maybe it's just just me and the offense alignment in me. Like, I think it's the fact you've never had to throw a football. Yeah, it's quite possibly. <laughs> no, but between my legs, I I throw it between my legs. Or I had to throw it between my legs. <laughs> but we both know that doesn't count because if I had to throw an actual football, it'd be quite ugly. Probably like like it would have looked if Mike White had re-entered that game under the circumstances. <laughs> With which you're asking him to, um, no, no but, but to get yeah, but to get back to to your original question on how this offense has looked, I I just don't think anyone's trying too hard. Like you saw Zach Wilson trying too hard, you saw Mike Lafleur trying to trying too hard to get those splash plays that Zach Wilson's capable of. But I feel like those plays from Zach have got to be organic, like. They got to be when he's feeling something coming where he spins out and throws to the Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, whoever, whoever it is, right? Down the field. But I think they need I think this could be a good lesson for Zach because he's he's seen the game as Robert Sala likes to say in the lens of another quarterback. And now he's seen it through two separate quarterbacks. So maybe the light bulb starts to go off in his head and be like, okay, I I can take my shots, but for the majority of the game, I could I could rip it down the field with these short short passes, and then once those safeties and linebackers start moving up, that's when I could take my shots with with Moore and Corey Davis. And what's even more surprising is the offense has looked good without Corey Davis. Like he hasn't played in these two games. This is just Keelan Cole, Elijah Moore. It's great to see Elijah Moore finally, like, starting to break out. The receiver that we thought, especially you, when we drafted him in the second round. Like, that that deep pass that he had over the middle, I'm not even going to talk about the touchdown because they just – the first touchdown, they just left him wide open. But that uh, that uh, route where he, he faked a corner and – did a did a post and he just it looked like he just put on the jets like he just left i forget which d back it was but he just left him in the dust like he had he had no shot and mike white put a good ball on him but you know the offensive line still a concern like you, you saw you you saw that pressure even with how fast mike white got rid of the ball that connor mcgovern cannot block anything and it's quite sad and it drives it it literally drives me insane all the time yeah i I mean to your original point about zach wilson being able to to look at this game through two two different lenses of of two different quarterbacks right I, i think that that's huge because it allows zach wilson to be you know to be able to say Hey, you know, I don't have to make that amazing play all the time. I can, I can, you know, come out and, you know, hit my backs in the, in the, in the flats. I can, you know, hit the check down every now and then. I don't have to go for the big play. I can try to, 
you know, you know, uh, if it's first and you know first and ten, I don't have to try to can make it a first down, right? I can second and seven is not a bad play, right? Like second and nine not, is not a bad play, and so I think learning those things is going to be good. And I think what also helps is you know you talked about you know we kind of talked about this a little bit off air is the fact that Zach Wilson has a tendency a lot of times you know you know we talk about making those plays down the field. Uh, those you know escape plays, he has a tendency to break a perfectly fine pocket, right? And you've seen this from Mike White. Like Mike White is not mobile by any means, right? But Mike White also has not taken a lot of sacks, and the reason is Mike White moves within the pocket. Mike White knows how to step up, step around a defender, and be able to get the ball out. Uh, you know, and create some opportunities with his arm and with his pocket movement. And so the, also the fact that the, you know, Josh Johnson is a, a mobile quarterback himself. And the fact that Josh Johnson is able to do some of those same things in terms of staying within the pocket and not moving and delivering the ball accurately should show Zach Wilson, like, Hey, these plays are there to be made. These throws are there to be made. I just have to make them, you know? And so I think that that's going to be huge. We saw, you know, we saw this with Sam Darnold, uh, his rookie year. He had to miss, uh, I believe it was three games as a rookie. And he came back and he was ultimately better for it um, down the stretch, you know, and he talked about how the game slowed down for him and whatnot. And so I think, you know, Zach Wilson can benefit from that as well, especially, you know, you have uh, some veteran quarterbacks in the room with Josh Johnson and Joe Flacco who know how to, you know, who have been there. They know how to prepare and just watching how they prepare and how they take notes and what, what things they're looking for in, in, in terms of the film analysis. I think that's all going to be huge. But I also think that, you know, Mike LaFleur has benefited a lot from, you know, some of the changes that have been made, right? Like, uh, you know, one of the things that's been talked about Agnosium is this him between the sideline and up in the booth. And I know we've talked about it as well, how we think that him being up in the booth is ultimately going to be better for him, uh, allows him to see the field better, be able to anticipate more as a play caller, get a step ahead of the defense. But another thing that's probably helped is the addition of John Beck to the staff. Right. And that's something that happened, probably happened um it had to happen sometime after the bye, but before the Cincy game because he wasn't there for the New England game. But, uh, you know, he seems like, again, we won't know if, you know, we don't know if Mike LaFleur in the box is because, you know, Mike White, it was Mike White's first start, so he went up to the box, or was it, hey, they hired John Beck, and so now you can go up into the box. Like, don't really know, but the Jets – what we do know is Zach Wilson wanted Mike LaFleur on the sideline to be that presence for him, to, to talk with him, uh, to go through some things, whereas, you know, so he could talk to him personally and go through, you know, the things on the surface tablet with him. But now he has John Beck, who we already know they have a, a you know, pre-existing relationship. John Beck is who trains Zach. Well, he's trained Zach Wilson basically all through Zach Wilson's BYU career. Uh, has trained Zach Wilson for, you know, the pre-draft, uh, even did a, you know, bi-week tune-up for Zach Wilson as well. So, you know, he'll be, you know, Zach Wilson's eyes on the sideline, showing him, you know, telling him things that he's he might be doing wrong mechanically or with his footwork, um, almost like, you know, a, like a personal swing coach there for, for Zach Wilson when he comes off the sideline. And you, you've already seen him helping out Mike White as well, uh, John Beck has. And so I think this is a, a good addition to the staff, especially if it makes Mike LaFleur better. Uh, Frank, what about you? Yeah, like uh, we need to remember that this was supposed to be Napper's role when Napper got hired before he tragically got ran over by that vehicle. And you – you know, let's not forget that we got Kavanaugh down there also, right? Kavanaugh is an experienced coach, you know. But I think it was smart by the Jets to bring in Zach's uh, quarterback coach uh, back, right? Because 
when you look at it, you know, as well as Mike White is playing, and I know some of us Jet fans, not me and you, but have compared this situation to the Mo Lewis New England Patriots situation. But uh, let's not forget that Zach Wilson is not yet Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe was a good quarterback in, in this league. Which it just happened that that's why it's easier to move on, Frank. I'm just, I'm just kidding. It drives me insane. It really does. <laughs> no, nah, ultimately, I mean, like Robert Sal has already said, when Zach Wilson's healthy, he'll be the starter. As it should. He's gonna be if these two guys are gonna have a lengthy and two guys, I mean Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. If these two gentlemen are going to have a lengthy run with the Jets, it's, it's not going to be because of Mike White's success. It's going to be because of Zach Wilson's success. Because as good as Mike White has played, I think we've seen the ceiling, right? Like the ceiling is going to be those, those check downs. You know, you don't even see – like you saw from Tom Brady that he would that he's capable of pushing the ball downfield, but you didn't see, you didn't see that so far with Mike White. You know he had that one deep pass against Indy to Elijah Moore and that incompletion the week before at Cincy. So yeah, he he's got a bullet like he bullets it in there, but we haven't seen him be confident enough to use it. And he definitely doesn't have that extra athleticism that Zach has. So if the Jets staff plans on going forward, you know, it's not going to be with Mike White. And I like Mike White. He's he's a good backup. And I don't think the Jets knew what they had in, in Mike White, because if they did, they wouldn't have traded a six-round draft pick to Philly for Joe Flacco, who's not going to see the field now. They're probably going to end up getting cut when the Jets bring on uh, Zach Wilson to start or back up Mike White. Whenever, yeah, whenever I mean that is, we're we're going to have to see what happens for sure. Like, look, Salah has already he's, he's come out and he said, like, yeah, Zach Wilson will be the starter, but if Mike White goes out here, throws for another four hundred yards and the Jets beat the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. Like, I don't know how he can just so quickly go back to Zach Wilson. So this is – I don't think we're going to – You know what's going to happen? He's not going to be healthy enough to start. That's what's going to be said. He's not fully healthy, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be the narrative. Because that's that was the caveat, that he has to be fully healthy. Once he's fully healthy, he'll be the starter again. So, which is fine by me, right? Like, because yeah, because it's a delicate situation, right? Like, once you open that box, like, once you close the Mike White box, like, there's no going very hard to open it back up, yeah. Like, once you once you say, okay, no, Zach's healthy, and you put Zach back in, and you don't like what you see, and you're like, hey, you know, Mike White was given this, was giving us a better chance to win, and you put Mike White back in. Like, it's broken. Like, you can't – like, it's very tough to go back to Zach at that point without and having also, questions. And you also have to look at the locker room, right? Because th- this is supposed to be the best man plays. And if you are not playing the t- the person that's going to give your, your team the best chance to win, the locker room is going to see that. And, and they're – Probably not going to like that too much, and now you're going to start losing credibility, and you're preaching competition. That's all you've been talking about is competition, 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 competition at every position. That's why we're starting the young, all these young cornerbacks. That's why Elijah Moore is starting. That's why Michael Carter is starting. And now, because you invested a second-round draft pick into this kid, you're going to insert him just because – not a, that, second, not a second round draft pick. The number two the, overall. The, yeah, that's what I. You know what I meant. I know, but I know it, it came it out. Changes, wrong. It changes. It changes this. I know it does. I know. I know. <laughs> but uh, like I, 
I don't know. Like, go with the hot hand. See what you got. Run it to that well runs dry, I say. Because we're not going to be anything anyways this year, right? So, and if you could teach the other young guys how to win, I think I I think that has value, right? Because we always said this is going to be a two- to three-year period. But if you could teach these young guys now how to win, that might speed up the process a little bit. No, absolutely. And I think ultimately all of this is good for Zach as well, right? Like the fact that you know that, oh, shoot, there's a guy behind me that can, I mean, let's just say flat out, he can outplay me, you know, on a, you know, he's outplayed me. His best game is better than my best game thus far, right? Like you could say that 400 yards, two touchdowns, like the fact that he took every single rep, like all through every first team rep while he was here, while he was healthy, all through OTAs, all through mini camp, like all of it, there was nobody here to really pressure him. And even look at Sam Darnold, right? Sam Darnold didn't have any of that. Mark Sanchez didn't have that. Um, you know, so, you know, these guys, they didn't have, the, you know, they didn't have to earn this job. Right. And and Zach Wilson has gone through this before. Right. His last season at BYU, he wasn't the starter. He had to earn the job. And so I think ultimately this can only be good for Zach, because if Zach crumbles because a guy in his room is you know playing better than him or could look like he can beat him, then Zach Wilson wasn't it. Right. He wasn't it to begin with. So we'll find out. Sure enough. Um, you know, again, if Mike White goes out there and, you know, has a, a spectacular day against Buffalo and they win or it's a close loss, and then, you know, then if, I think if he looks spectacular against Buffalo, we're really going to that's when we're really going to have to start sitting down and thinking about what we're going to do going forward, because that's a was that a top three def, total defense in the league. No, that defense is the defense according is to PFF de- is one of the best defenses in the league, regardless of the metrics. You know, PFF, DVOAs, uh, whatever you want to look at, Buffalo is probably going to be highly ranked uh, up there. And so, again, if Mike White does play well, then yeah, I think again, you know, Zach Wilson is not fully healthy. Uh, we'll, we we will address it next weekend. Um, you know, but. You know, we'll have to, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens, right? There's no good thing. We don't have this thing. This thing doesn't have to be set in stone right now, you know? Um, Even though they say that they're going to choose their quarterback tomorrow for, for no, I mean, I, they've already, he's already, he's already come out and said, no, they haven't come out and said anything yet. Oh, I get, yeah. They haven't said anything, but all indications have pretty much been that Mike White will be the guy. Um, you talked about Elijah Moore a little bit. He had himself a, a breakout game here. Um, seven catches on eight targets, 84 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, made me happy in fantasy land because he was the number one wide receiver in PPR leagues this week. So it was nice to talk about on the Fantasy Football Diagnostics podcast. I'm glad but, I had him on the bench in the league that we're running together. Yeah. Uh was not a was not a a league or was not a week where I had him in a lot of lineups. I did have him in some of my deeper leagues uh, where I needed a receiver or flex spot or something like that. But yeah, a lot of my more standard leagues. Uh, when I say standard, I mean like twelve team PPR, not super deep rosters. He was on my bench, so don't feel bad about that one. Um. Nothing else really that stuck out offensively. Michael Carter didn't have a great day. Um, I mean, this is a, a good build, a good Indianapolis front seven, though, too. Uh, so I was not expecting him to have a huge day. Um, but let's talk about the defense. Or were you going to say something? I was. I was. I'll, all I was going to say is we still can't run the football. No. That, that's a problem. That's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? This team won't be running the ball anyway, Frank. Are you kidding me? This team is a throwing team now. Have you seen them? Back-to-back games with 400 yards passing? 
there's no way you become a run the run you know you know you don't become a three three yards in a cloud of dust team after that. But let's talk about this defense that ours truly, Frank Piccolo once dubbed dominant a couple weeks ago. We call that the Frank curse. The kiss of death. It's not a kiss I ever want, but I don't, told don't, you. Don't, I, don't even start. Don't even start. Just yep. Just go back on mute. <laughs> you already knew. You already knew. Yeah. Um, but this defense here that Frank uh, cursed gave them the kiss of death. They have plummeted. They were once promising, and they're now last or second to last in basically every single major defensive category. So they can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. They can't stop you from scoring points. Uh, and it's going to get worse because Marcus May uh, is out for the year with the torn Achilles. Uh, so the back end is going to get a lot worse. Big time worse. Frank, what were your thoughts, man, on the defense and, and where does it go from here? This game in particular, we talked about it a little bit off air. I think has to go on the coaching staff a little bit, right? You got, they got punched in the mouth and it didn't seem like they made any adjustments. Like Jonathan Taylor looked like he was eight yards past the line of scrimmage before anyone laid a hand on him. And we knew this was going to be a tough, tough matchup. Cause in my opinion, Jonathan Taylor is top five running back in the league and the Colts are top five offensive line in the league. And Frank Reich loves running the football. They love playing smash, smash mouth, run the ball down your throat. And the Jets are not a big defensive line. Like, they're very quick and athletic. So I thought the Jets should have maybe slanted into the gaps a little bit more instead of trying to play, you know, catch and release and trying to fight through those blocks. But... I don't know. Ever since the Jets switched to this 4-3 this year, it kind of seems like the teams are able to run the ball down our throats. And I can't remember the last time the Jets have had a defense where teams were able to run the ball like like they have been this year. Like, Salah talked about a little bit in his post-game press conference, the difference between this and the New England game. Like, you could, there's kind of built-in excuses for – you know, getting the ball thrown on you, right? Like, oh, we that's correctable, that's correctable. You know, you getting punched in the mouth repeatedly and you can't do anything about it. Like, that's that to your psyche, I don't know how you fix that. You have a come to Jesus meeting or something, brother. There's no other way to fix that. I mean – you see that, or you start selling out to stop the run, and the Jets can't can't afford to do that. So, uh, I think this is a problem that they're going to face pretty much all year long. I mean, if you look at their, you know, their upcoming schedule: Buffalo, Miami, Houston. Those are teams that can't run the ball. So, I think that, I mean, Buffalo chooses not to. Um, Miami and Houston can't. So. You know, maybe you you come up. I mean, actually, just gave me some joy. You look at some some games that the Jets got coming up; they could actually win a couple. Like, let's see a, a game where they might. be I think the Jets are going to win four out of the next five after this week. Let's not get too crazy. I no, it's not crazy. Let's not too Thank get. It, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. All right. All right. Yes. It's not crazy. When you look at when you look at the opponents, it's definitely not. No, crazy. it's not. It's definitely not crazy. Buffalo, Miami, Houston, Philly, New Orleans. 
I think they could probably get three of those. I don't think they could get the New Orleans game. They can't get the Buffalo game. So those three in the middle, you got to try and get. Well, you got two with Miami, right? That's uh, the sixth game is with Miami. That that's why I said four out of the five after the Buffalo game. Oh, after Buffalo. Okay, after I'm with Buffalo. you. Yep, 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 yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, so yeah, so you know we'll, we'll definitely have to see what happens here going forward with this run defense, but you, you definitely have to imagine that they're going to try to get this fixed. I don't, again, I don't know how. I think Carl Lawson obviously was a huge blow to the defense. Um, you know, they, they're going to miss him. They miss him for sure. Um, and he, I'm sure he could have helped out a little bit. But I think between him getting, you know, between the defense trying to make up for the loss of Carl Lawson as a pass rusher, they've handicapped themselves in a, a little bit as a, as a run defense. So, um, you know, we'll have to see how they how they handle that going forward. I don't think this is a fix that you can make on the fly in season. Again, like I said, Marcus May being out definitely hurts, but this is one that is going to have uh, – you're going to have to correct it in the offseason, right? Like, you know, you're not going to get a guy like Carl Lawson back right now. You're not going to get Vinny Curry back right now. Uh, Kyle Phillips is make, seems to be making his way back, but, like, you know, you're, this is a fixture. This is something you're going to have to fix in the offseason. So I, I will definitely see how they address it. How it Where's JFN been? It seems like him and Quentin have switched spots on the milk carton. Like, it'd be nice for them both to be playing well at the same time. Like, that, that would, would be, be nice. That would be nice. Like it's but there's there's no rule that says they can't play well at the same time, right? Did I miss something? No, no. I oh, oh I, okay. I just I just thought maybe I missed a Jets D line rule because like that's like when we had Sheldon and Muhammad, like one of them would play well and then the other one would suck for periods of times. Like I I just thought maybe it was a Jets D line thing where we can't have two good defensive linemen play well at the same time. Frank, when did you did you not realize like we cannot have nice things? I know it's frustrating. Mike White goes out four hundred yards next week, gets a little tingle in his forearm, and he can't throw a football. So, and that's exactly how I felt. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I can't feel my little fingers." Get back in there, buddy. <laughs> Um, all serious, serious, Mike. I'm Mike White. If you're listening, I'm sure it probably scared the hell out of you that you couldn't grip a football. Mike, if you ever want to come on, you know, we'd love to have you, brother. Uh, just you know, give us a ring. We will call you, or you call us. How about that? Um, anyways, Frank, anything else on this game? No. Right. No, let's bury it. Let's bury it. I don't think we had to bury it. This was like okay. I mean, like what? Look, once Mike White got injured, like how invested were you in this game other than being a Jets fan? Well, I'm always invested, being that I'm a Jets fan. But but how invested? Hmm. I really thought he was going to come back at some point. Like when I saw saw him get hurt, and they're talking about his injury, I was like. I was like, there's no way he's not going to play the rest of the game. Once he didn't come back at halftime, I was like, he's not coming back. Yeah, at that point, yeah. But Josh Johnson was bowling out at that point, and I was like, I was like, all right, let's let's go. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a little selfish, right? Like, I have a decent amount of Jonathan Taylor in fantasy football, and you better uh, not on this podcast. You better not on this podcast. <laughs> Better not. Go away, John. Go away. Let's just say there might have been some cheers in my house when he went off for that 72 I'm, yard. Everybody, I'm kicking him off right now. He's done. <laughs> I'm kicking him off. What type of Jet fan are you, bro? How are they cheering? How are you hey. cheering against hey. your team? Hey, hey, hey. 
you gotta give me some respect here. It's not like the Jets. No, you get none. No, no, it's not like it's not like what are the Jets doing for me for me to not enjoy Jonathan Taylor ripping off a 72-yard touchdown run? Like, like, why should I not feel joy from having that huge boost in all my fantasy lineups? Seeing Jonathan Taylor rip off that run. It's not like he wasn't gonna do it anyway. It's not like if I benched him and I wasn't cheering for him, it wasn't going to happen. The Jets were going to let him run wild anyway. So why couldn't I benefit from that? You did benefit. You shouldn't have been cheering while the game was going on. And you definitely shouldn't have been admitting to cheering. I was excited about my fantasy. Bad guy. You're a bad guy. You're a bad bad guy. guy. The Jets are a bad bad team. You're right. They are a very bad team. (laughs) There's no disagreeing with you there. (laughs) <laughs> oh man well, I can't wait to put this poll up on Twitter <laughs> run it up the poll stop the count <laughs> alright let's move on to the real business maybe I'll actually win a poll this week that would be nice well you gotta stop being on the wrong side of them Frank that's the start Friedman McNeil is still the real 24, by the way. <laughs> I don't think you want to go back there. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't. But this next segment here is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. And football fans, who's ready to score some free bets? Now, you can – you can win. Wow. Now you can when you bet on any NFL game this week with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. When a team scores, you score. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can win. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on either team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And surely, <laughs> sorry, and I, I was just reading what somebody was writing to me in the comment section here. They couldn't wait for uh, for me to get out of here. This is, I struggled through the read a little bit here, and I'm talking about my co-host, Frank Jim Piccolo. But slowly but surely, I got through it. You did. You did. Do we need to buy you a Hooked on Phonics? Oh, wow. That was low. I love Man. you, though. That was low. I struggled right. last week. You struggled this week. We'll get there. That's crazy. You know what? I quit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. I would have cried. I would cry. I would cry. Well, you should. Because that was that was upsetting. Almost as upsetting as Odell Beckham signing with the Patriots. Shut up. No, he didn't sign. But he's been in contact with them. <sighs> <laughs> you literally gave me a heart attack. I know it was revenge for the hooked off on next show. Anyway, the Buffalo Bills are 12 and a half point underdogs or 12 and a half point favorites, as the New York Jets are 12 and a half point underdogs. This game has a 47 and a half point total. And of course, this line is provided to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. The Bills are coming off a pretty 
embarrassing loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Where Josh Allen was intercepted by Josh Allen. First time ever. Josh Allen destroyed Josh Allen in that game. This is also true. Which means we're probably going to get an angry Josh Allen, which is probably not good for us. So with that being said, I think the Bills are the better team. I think the Bills are angry. Uh, I feel like Vegas putting this line at 12.5 is almost – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's all, it's like it's it's like every week we do the same with the Jets, right? We're like we come on here, we say they're gonna cover, and then they don't. Oh no 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 no! I won last week. I we could roll back the tape. I said the Jets were not gonna cover because I said the Jets were a young team. You lost. I just want to point that out there. Okay. Well. I came on here and I thought that the Jets were going to cover last week. And to be fair, if Mike White plays, I probably do. Oh, without a doubt. That's a close game if Mike White plays. Because he was on fire in fuego. But I'm still going to take Buffalo to cover. I just don't think that the Jets have the horses, especially defensively. No Marcus May back there. You're going to be going up against four receiver sets against Buffalo. Uh, it's going to be tough for us to stop it. So give me the Buffalo Bills to cover the 12.5-point spread. Yeah, I want to argue with you, but it's tough, right? Like This defense in particular has been ravaged by injuries this year. All three starting linebackers have been out for a stretch of games. Now all three safeties have been out for a stretch of games. The defensive line, we lost probably the our best defensive lineman. Quinnen had foot surgery, lost Vinnie Curry. Like I don't I don't know. Like I've never seen a Jets team be ravaged like we have. But this defense in particular, the the way that they've dealt with its injuries, I think is admirable. But this is the NFL. This is a results-driven league. And the Jets also got embarrassed last week. And I think the Jets will come out angry. But like you said, when you go position by position... I just think the Bills are way superior. The the Bills are a championship-level team. What I want to see is if Mike White is the starting quarterback this week, I want to see if he's able to go toe-to-toe with Josh Allen because I think Josh Allen is going to score at will on our defense. And I think for a stretch, it's possible, but – that Buffalo defense is really good, so I think Buffalo's going to cover that spread, as do you. Yeah, I don't I don't see much being done about that from that side. So, I mean, look, it'll be about, you know, seeing Mike White. Can he, can, can he keep the magic going? Can Elijah Moore string his third consecutive, you know, really good game together? Uh, can the can the coaching staff be able to cook up a coaching, you know, be able to cook up a game plan to stop Josh Allen? Um, you know, one of the things I, you know, I didn't think I talked about it when we hired Salo was one of the things I immediately wanted to because the the a the NFC West played the AFC East last year, and one of the things I wanted to notice was. You know, how did Salah do against the AFC East? Like, how did his defense with the Niners, how did they do against the AFC East? And that defense got shred apart by Josh Allen on, like, 
a I Saturday. Think, I think we talked about that when Salah got hired. No, yeah, we definitely did because it was something I, I definitely thought about. It was something I definitely wanted to discuss because that defense got absolutely shredded by Josh Allen on that, that Saturday night game or whatever it was. And if that was any indication of what it would look like, Josh Allen versus this defense, I was a little nervous. So I'm curious to see what the game plan looks like this week. Uh, you know, Jacksonville, they gave Buffalo a lot of trouble by switching their defense to a primarily a two-shell defense, a two-shell look uh, with two high safeties, uh, essentially daring Buffalo to run the ball um, and, and take – the short to intermediate routes and, you know, not live off that big play. That's similar to what teams have done to, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Kansas city. So, you know, do does Sala and Ulbrich, do they steal that game plan, you know, and say, Hey, this is about winning this week and, and changing who we are just to get a win. Or do they stick to what they've done over these last couple of weeks, knowing that, you know, hey, it might not work, but this is what we do. This is what our guys are comfortable doing. Uh, so let's go out and do that. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. Yeah, and you remember, they they said they weren't going to have this magic elixir of type of defenses when in training camp, right? Like, this is our defense, you know, kind of like, you know, remember the Titans, you know, we have a small playbook, you know, but it it works like Novocaine, you know, give it time, but it will work. You know, and I, I just think that they, they're viewing this year as a growing year. Like, I think they realize that they're such a young team and that I don't think they really care that they might be picking high in the draft. I think they almost would prefer it. I think they, they want to, they want to win, but if they don't, I think, I think they're okay with that. Yeah. But I think that's more of like a, like, that's more in the front office, right? That's not the coaching staff. The you don't think staff. so? I mean, I again, I don't know. Right? I'm, I'm, ask, I'm asking you. Like, I don't, I don't know. But my guess is, like, as a coach, right? Like, any any coach is gonna not. No coach is gonna go out there with the like to put a game plan together to just lose, right? Like, you may go out there saying, you know, hey, we don't, we don't care to win. Like, like from a seeding perspective, you might say, hey, like, we don't care to win this game because we're not playing for anything. But any team any coach especially like Sala who's trying to build a program you don't I don't think you put a game plan out there set to lose right because you still have to earn credibility from like the players around like CJ Mosley he like he's he's no slouch he's gonna know like hey I watched a film like this is what Jacksonville did against them this is what these other teams did like why aren't we running that right like or you know what like why are we gonna do the exact opposite of what what works right like so, you know, I think you still have to hold your – you know, you still have to hold yourself accountable as a coach to your players, especially your veteran players, especially when you're building a program. So that's my thought there. But, I, you know, I, I'm curious to see, again, how does – there? I understand there's no magic elixir, right? There's no magic call, but there's still a game plan. And I'm sure two-man is in your game – like two-man is in the playbook. Like it's very easy. And if it's not, it's very easy to put two-man – Two man in the playbook, essentially, right? Like, well, who's starting? Who's going to be the other safety this week? They got to figure that out, regardless. Regard, regardless, they have to figure that out. Whether I'm just asking, I don't know. I don't know who it is. I Do you? I think it's Sherrod Neesom, Neesman. I I heard the Jets picked up John June. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. Left. Is that like play like deep left out. <laughs> I'll be right next to you. <laughs> you got good seats, bro. Like, yeah, I know. <coughs> Even though I, did, I, I think I could do a better job than McGovern at this point. Okay, this is Frank's. Frank's had one too many pre pre recording beers. No, I I, I did it. Himself a little too hard, uh, saying he's better than an NFL player at this point. Well, so this is the part where we're gonna we're gonna end the pod, right? So we're gonna give our yep, locks yep. of the week. 
Yeah, so yeah, Frank, done. We're done. Frank, who's your lock of the week? Oh, you let me go first? Yeah. I'm gonna go with Yeah, I'm gonna go with Arizona, obviously. Obviously. Because that is my team that I've been riding all year. They are you have. I know I have. They're minus 10. PJ Walker will be starting this week. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing for me. Um, what do you think? Good thing or bad thing? What do we think, John? Mm. Who's the better quarterback at the moment? The, line, the line's not going to move. Still line thinking, you think it would be minus 10 if Darnold was starting? Probably. The only thing that worry could possibly worry me, I don't know if Murray's playing this week. And Edmonds isn't playing this week. It's pretty rough to take a lock like that if you don't know. But go ahead, man. Do, do what you got to do. La, 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 lock it up. All right. Um, Man, there's nothing I really like. But let's get this pain out of the way early. Give me Baltimore. Give me Baltimore. I believe this line is minus seven and a half. Yep, Baltimore minus seven and a half over the Miami Dolphins. Why was that painful? Why was that painful? No, just in case I lose. You know, let's get it out the way early. Have Have we been keeping track? Um, sure. Okay. I'm sure one of our loyal listeners has. We need to ask Pablo. <laughs> Pablo, if you're listening, you've got your assignment. Or if you are our most loyal listener and you would like to tell us what the score is, <laughs> we would greatly appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Frank has some prize ready for you. I do. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. We love you. We appreciate you. And we'll catch y'all next week, Tuesday. We'll try to be 7 p.m., but there's no promises. Zero there's promises. no promises that the Jets will have. Well, they will be discussing a Jets win when that happens, but. We'll, we will be discussing the Jets. We'll, we'll be discussing the Jets. That is a promise. <laughs> I promise. So we don't know if it'll be a seven, and we don't know if it'll be a win or a loss, but we do know we'll be here, and we will be live discussing the New York Jets. Until next time, y'all, have a good one, and we're out of here. Peace. Peace.